With the sports world on pause, we've teamed Greg Linelli and Eric Erlinson together for Power Lunch, an hour to talk lightning hockey, the NHL, and how you're coping with the coronavirus. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. Center point headman, right to Kudrop. Score! Patrick Kudrop! Ah, the sweet sounds of Dave Michigan calling the Tampa Bay Lightning goal. One day closer, hopefully, to hearing that. Again, welcome to another edition of Power Lunch here on Lightning Power Play, Wednesday, April 22nd. Happy Earth Day, everybody. I'm Eric Erlinson alongside Greg Linelli and Corey Long, who will uh, come on to talk about mainly what he's doing right now, but also I want to get his thoughts on where the league goes from here i think we have some interesting topics that we want to get with you and and break down with you today one deals with the draft and um e and i were talking about this before the show and i think it's fascinating if this does go through which the league is talking about doing during possibly the playoffs and i think that factors into how maybe teams would conduct business, especially via the trade. So we're going to talk to Corey about that coming up in about 10, 15 minutes. Um, e, I, I think, uh, by the way, before we get into that, can I wish my, my daughter happy birthday on the air? Absolutely. I saw can the I, picture on Facebook. It's awesome. I know. Can I do that? Let, yeah, do it. All it's right. all you, man. Uh, Gianna Mary, we love you. Happy birthday. She turns four today. E, where does the time go? Dressed up as um, Queen Elsa. See, as a dad, you have to get these these names right. Queen Elsa. I am currently wearing my Kristoff shirt. And, of course, anybody who's watched the movies, Frozen, you will appreciate what we're doing. So we, we opened up the presents. Mom and I, mainly Mom, yesterday um, got the balloons. And we had kind of, um, for lack of a better term, this... Now, like poster of like the Disney castle with the the fireworks in the background, so we put some balloons uh, up there, and then we also had, which I thought was pretty cool, and kudos to uh, Gianna Mary's classmates. We sent out a thing on Facebook because we were going to have a party, but we can't because of coronavirus, and we told some of her classmates on Facebook. This is one of the beauties of of social media that if they'd like to wish Gianna a little happy birthday, they can shoot. Uh, my wife's um, video message through her her cell phone or do it on Facebook. And you know what? They did. Her teachers did too. And boy, her grin was just from here to here. It was uh, just smiling. So it was really, really cool to see. We'll have some cake later today. And it's about as well as you can do considering the circumstances we're in. Yeah, for, for sure. Um, yeah. I have, I've had one of my... Uh, son's birthdays during this as well back on march 30th he turned yeah. 15 uh so speaking of Beautiful. the time going by he's my youngest by the way wow uh, at 15 so uh yeah the time definitely does go by fast uh we are also one week away from my wife's birthday Ooh, um, and she's turning 29 i think i hear is you um, did well is his how <laughs> is what her birthday because we know how old you are <laughs> yeah look i was out of my league in many many elements right so <laughs> uh, good stuff so good yeah stuff. you know it's uh, it's interesting times for sure yes. um you know we heard ryan mcdonough when he spoke with the media a couple weeks ago about 
um, his daughter's birthday, or I think his son's birthday, um, coming up. Uh, Yanni yeah. Gord, we had Yanni on last week. His daughter's birthday is coming up. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's we find different and creative ways to try and celebrate these milestones. And uh, kudos to you. That's that's a great uh, way to to give your daughter a day of you know she'll probably won't forget this birthday for a while, right? Like this is probably going to stick with her for the circumstances, of course. But the way that you did it. Yeah, the way that you set it up. I mean, that's well, great. Kudos to my wife. She was, as most of these things are, the wife spearheads the process. We just, as they tell us, e, especially on our wedding day, just show up. That's basically our job. <laughs> but you know, the wife had everything planned, and I was there just to support. And it, you know, it turned out really well. So again, happy fourth birthday, Gianna Mary. By the way, I'd be remiss if I don't ask. I have to see a picture of you in a Kristoff shirt. You do. If you don't want to share it on social media, you got to send me one. I me may and have Steve to. one here on uh, on text just so we can. I'll make sure my see pants Greg in a Kristoff shirt. Okay, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did the kids say? Pictures or it didn't happen. I know. I still have to send a picture out with my uh, college picture, don't I? Yeah, you. Yeah, because th- we have to have proof that you had hair. Dinner. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, this this Maybe will be a, a, well. Yeah, no. Yeah, you have to put now. You have to put them side by side before the before the pandemic and after the pandemic. <laughs> that's right. Nice. Before the birthday, after the birthday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, let's right, get into so, what we want to discuss because I I yeah. um you piqued my interest with where we could go with this topic about the draft, and we also have a couple of other things we want to get into. But I, I thought it was. Pretty fascinating. So give people maybe the backstory here of what is possibly being discussed. And then I think we'll get into maybe the pros and cons of it. I think it's mainly cons, but we'll, we'll dissect. Yeah, so if anybody was following Elliot Friedman, Pierre Lebrun, the usual insiders yesterday, there was a, a league general manager's meeting, a conference call, not a meeting, conference call, uh, with the league. And one of the things that came out of it was Bill Daly, the deputy commissioner, floated the idea of potentially still holding the draft as scheduled on the date. We know it would be virtual as we're going to see the NFL go through uh, starting tomorrow with their draft. Uh, but the NHL holding it the same time frame at the end of June. Whether or not the league is playing games or not, and we know if they come back without fans in the stands, it'll probably be during that time period, which is great. There's an opportunity there. You keep a, a, a consistent date, um, all the prospects and everything. You, you know, you're not going to have a combine. So I understand wanting to keep that thing on task, trying to keep it on schedule, but these are completely different times and nothing is on the table, nothing is off the table, as Gary Bettman has said many times, but there are many logistical issues that pop immediately to mind if you're going to continue to hold the draft and plan to hold the draft at the end of June if there are still games going on. And and the first one that comes to mind, and, and I will get into the, dra- to the trade stuff, but scouts... You know, the, the league calendar year ends June 30th. We know that July 1 is the start of free agency day. But you have staff members, especially scouts, who are under contract that would end on June 30th. So are you going to extend their contracts if you hold the draft a little bit later on in the summer or during this pause period? Um, you know, there's issues with, with players that you would potentially draft in June. Uh, what would you do if their junior teams come back or their college teams come back or whatever it happens to be? So those are those are the first things that pop out to me. 
But then there's the trade issue, and this is a big issue to me, Greg. Yeah, and this is this is something that immediately came to mind. You you bring up some valid points, and I think all of that makes a ton of sense. And teams are going to have to be aware of everything you just played out. And you have to think, E, before I get into the next point about the trades, that the league has thought this through. But everybody, let's let's bring it into the Tampa Bay Lightning point of view, because that's what the show basically is centered around. I mean, whether whether you hold this draft before the playoffs, during the playoffs, after, obviously, it doesn't matter. I think that's preferably what people would want. But let's say, for the sake of this argument, it's before or during the playoffs. We all know that the Tampa Bay Lightning are up against the cap. It's no secret. Julian Breezewell has even spoken about this, and he did it at great length when... They were very active at the trade deadline because the guys they got back, for the most part, do have another year left on their contract. And part of the reasoning they were able to get Coleman and Goodrow and why they were willing to give up the price that they did was because they have term, but also, too, that they know it's maybe to help offset any of the player or players that will be dealt in the offseason because of the cap issues they are going to deal with. It's no surprise that Tampa Bay will experience this it's kind of the worst kept secret everybody understands it that's what you do when you're a really good team you spend the cap you deal with um, tomorrow whenever that day comes and it's coming soon for the lightning we just didn't think they were going to have to deal with it before the playoffs or during the playoffs but if you're the lightning and they do something like this it really does put you at a disadvantage because e you probably think one of the ways that Julian Brisewalk can get under the cap and also retain assets at the same time is by trading a player off your current roster to get under the cap, cap compliant, but also to receive picks. If you do that while playoffs are going on, obviously you can't trade somebody from your current team while the playoffs are going to get under the cap. So my question to the league would be, did you think that part through? Because if you're floating that idea around, that doesn't make any sense because that takes one tool, the only tool maybe, that the Tampa Bay Lightning could have used in their toolbox to not only be cap compliant, but also get assets in return. And if you're taking that part away from them and only saying, look, you can only draft who you have at the draft and you know whether it's a second round pick whether it's six picks that's all you can do well how much does that really help the lightning zero yes it helps them zero and and that's that's the issue i mean because can can you imagine a scenario that you're let's say let's say and this is hypothetical things kick off june 1st and whatever format they do and the lightning continue to win and they continue to advance and you're sitting here on june 24th third, whatever it is, and the draft is a few days away, and you know you've got to alleviate cap space, you have to make a trade that involves, again, hypothetical, a Tyler Johnson. We have to trade. Meanwhile, Tyler Johnson's trying to get ready for game six of a playoff series. Like, you can't do that. That Like, that just can't happen. Are we missing top... part of the story? Because it doesn't make any sense. I, I don't know. I, I I guess this is this maybe this was just a... 
uh, a brainstorm type situation. Can we do it? Can we make it work? But there's no doubt that this wasn't completely put through in, in, in terms of the thought process. Because the other thing involved with this is if you're not going to extend the business calendar past June 30th and you're still playing games, what's going to stop say, a player who's scheduled a Pat Maroon, for example, because we know he's scheduled to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year, just walking away from the team on July 3rd, and you're still playing. You're getting ready for round three or whatever it might be at that time. Now, that being you know, said, and you're – look, look, that, that's a, that certainly could happen because it's on the table. I doubt any hockey player would do that because that's not in their blood. But if somebody decided to do that, yeah. who's up for a big contract, who from St. Louis, Petrangelo, right? I mean, yep. what if – what if he said, you know what? I mean, how many more great paydays am I going to get? That being said, I have a hard time thinking if if you're kind of in the you know the second or third round of the playoffs, or just even in the playoffs in general, outside of you having an injury and maybe you're playing it more safe than you typically would, I've got to think those guys would play in a circumstance like that. But either the fact that that's on the table, yeah. you couldn't fault a player if he decided to sit out in that instance? No, you couldn't because there are, you know, self-interests involved. Certainly it's, yeah. it's team before, you know, it's it's we before me for sure. And we know right. the hockey players in particular have that attitude every time they go out on the ice. Um, but, I mean, the, the fact that that scenario is even possible if you don't extend the calendar, the business calendar, kind of opens up a whole Pandora's box of situations. Now, the other flip side of this and this is something that was talked about as well. Let's say you do extend the calendar, and you don't even hold your draft until, say, end of September, early part of October, and that idea has been floated around if you start your season in November. Again, going back to the junior leagues, assuming mm -hmm. they start back up in some capacity, right? and they're six, seven games into their season at that point, you're going to draft a player and take them away from the junior teams. I mean, there, there are those implications as well. I, I mean... Yeah, I mean, this whole situation, of course, unprecedented. Nobody could plan for it. Nobody understood that it could happen um, on a grand scale like we're seeing now. So there's so many different types of issues that we're seeing pop up, some situations pop up that probably nobody ever even had to think about. You can't tell me that anybody realistically had a thought in their head that we would have to pause the entire NHL schedule and sports in general, but NHL schedule – discuss pushing back all the business of it three, four months down the line, all these scenarios. So they probably haven't been completely thought out. And, and, and again, scream of, stream of consciousness in some ways is probably what comes up. They discuss it, okay, go back to committees, subcommittees, whatever they do in these meetings, discuss it, pros, cons, and let's deal with, deal with it from there. Yeah, and, you know, I think a lot of people should – give the NHL some leeway when it comes to fitting everything in and, per, and trying to bring back some normalcy to an otherwise abnormal situation. But I don't think you can take away, if you do the draft whenever they decide to do it, specifically during the playoffs or before, one of the tools that a team like the Lightning could use to their advantage down the road i.e. trading a player on their current roster, again, to be cap compliant down the road, but also retaining some assets. Um, because if you do that, then I think that's an unfair advantage. And I, I think that's, I guess, the part that I'm having trouble 
understanding. That's I think that's something that you can control. You can control when the draft's going to be. Yes. Why would you do it at a time when, let's say, half the league is still participating in the playoffs and at the same time not giving those teams an opportunity to trade away assets to better their future? It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And let's hope that this was just something that was in the initial stages to kind of be tossed around. Yep. But I've got to think whoever was bringing that up, I'd like to think people in that room would have shot that down immediately unless there's something else we're not seeing. So I guess the answer that stay tuned. Yeah. Because that can't be the final, the final straw. And I don't think it was, but at least we're knocking it down, giving you some of the viewpoints as to why I don't think that would make the most sense. And, and, and let's be honest, too. None of the issues that we discussed – extending the business year, holding the draft at a different time, extending contracts for scouts, players, whatever it is, none of those are hard to work through, you know, if you're going to push it. I, I think it's harder to hold the draft while the season is still going. And kind of off the top of my head, the only league I can think of that actually holds their draft in season is Major League Baseball. Yeah. And that's a completely different scenario, right, because nobody drafted an MLB draft, uh, which is held in June, is going straight to the major leagues. They're going to, you know, minor league ball somewhere. As opposed to these other sports where a lot of these players can come in and make an impact uh, right away. So, um, to me, I think that's all you have to look at is, is that and just say, okay, it's easy to kind of put together a plan and shift all this. Of course, you'd have to have the NHLPA on board and all this stuff. Um, but I, I, I think there are things that they could easily work through to push the draft back. I just don't see a scenario right now if they're going to come back and play, and maybe that's in six weeks from now, um, holding the draft while NHL playoffs are going on. On top of that, granted, a general manager's job, he doesn't have anything to do with the play on the ice once you get to the postseason, but they want to be there. They want to be involved. They want to see the team that they put together on the ice and see how they perform. So then you're going to have split distractions um, for general managers as well. So a um, lot, lot to think about for sure. Uh, another topic I want to get to, and we'll do this real quickly on the other side of the break, we talked about this yesterday, the salary cap, and that's a big issue with the NHL uh, and how it relates to what Major League Baseball is kind of going through right now and, and some of the discussions that they're having. Uh, so we'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to Power Lunch. I'm Eric Erlinson. He's Greg Lanelli. We'll be back right after this. The hockey world might be on pause, but Eric Erlinson and Greg Lanelli aren't. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. All right, welcome back to Power Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. I am Eric Erlinson alongside Greg Lanelli, and we get another round of Lightning Turbo Trivia tonight. It's presented by PDQ. Ooh. Join Greg Wolf at 6 p.m. tonight. You can either go to the Lightning Facebook page uh, through the Lightning app or vi uh, visit boltstrivia.com. First prize tonight, a year's worth of chicken tenders from PDQ. And second prize is a signed autograph stick. So, again, join Greg Wolf at 6 p.m. tonight for Lightning Turbo Trivia. You can go to boltstrivia.com or in the Tampa Bay Lightning app. Again, that's at 6 p.m with Greg Wolf tonight, presented by PDQ. And, Greg, we were talking about the salary cap issues, and, you know, I, I saw this come up in the last couple of days. Um, 
you know, with the NHL, we know that the, the situation in the CBA is a 50-50 split in hockey-related re- revenue. We know yeah. no matter what happens, revenue was going down this year. It's just a question of by how much. But then I'm watching Major League Baseball, which is a much different situation. They have luxury taxes, which means there's no cap. Teams go over a certain threshold. They have to pay into this luxury tax that's distributed amongst the rest of the teams. But they're on the verge of asking their players to take less money if they're playing without fans in the stands, which I thought was a very interesting concept. I believe I also heard that starting May 1st, they can let go of managers, which is a little mind-boggling to me as well. Um, But uh, at what point – I mean, we know the NHL players are going to have to take less. And the latest – the last round of checks, which were due to the players on April 15th, it was supposed to be their last paycheck of the year, they have actually deferred that payment to May 15th. And the reason they have done that is because of the hockey-related revenue that we talked about. There's going to be a shortfall. Uh, We already know the players don't like escrow. I believe 14% of their check already is distributed to escrow, and then they figure out the hockey-related revenue down the line and then redistribute the money wherever it needs to go. But I thought that that was very curious to hear Major League Baseball talk about asking their players to get back. Do they have the right, do you think, to ask players to get back some money if they play a shortened season with no fans in the stands? I think they can ask, but that doesn't mean they have to. You know, it's it goes back to the 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 saying, you know, what do you have to lose if you ask somebody a question? They tell you know a favor, they can say no. You know, and I think if Major League Baseball says, look, guys, you know, for the sake of our league, we're asking everybody to take a pay cut. Now, look, you know, a Bryce Harper pay cut. You know, is it a, is it a flat? pay cut across the board because I think, you know, you start talking about a 25% dock on a Bryce Harper compared to somebody who's making the league minimum. Well, the guy making the league minimum, he's going to be like, all right, well, (laughs) what the heck? You know, Bryce Harper can take a 20% pay cut and still feel really good. And I think the average salary in major league baseball, I think it's probably approaching a couple million dollars at this point. And as a side note, this is probably a great opportunity for somebody who deals in finances to once again reiterate to athletes in general how to take care of your money, especially during a crisis, which this is. Nobody expected it, but certainly I think this would be a good teaching moment, especially younger players, to say, listen, you're not going to make this money forever, and so every year put some money away in case something like this does happen. I think that would get a lot of people's attention. But getting back to your point, I think now you get into the discussion – you can certainly ask the players to take a pay cut. They don't have to. They really don't, because I think now you get into collective bargaining, and I think if I'm Major League Baseball, if I'm the players, I'd go back and say, all right, you want us to take a cut. I hope all of you guys in management and in the front office are taking cuts as well. So um, my sense is I, I think we probably need to take a look at the books a bit to see how big of a cut these guys would need to take. And I also think you have to be aware, maybe it's the guys who are making millions and millions of dollars are the ones that take the cut to start. Because I think if you start penalizing entry-level type players and their contracts, I'm not sure that's completely fair to them. So we'll see how that plays out. But part of me says if I'm a player and the league asks me to do that, I don't know. I, I probably would have a hard time doing that because, because that, that's my money. <laughs> and um, 
I only get a chance, one chance to do this right unless it's a dire situation and everybody else is going to be doing it. But I think you have to decide percentage-wise what makes the most sense, too. Well, and I wonder, too, if you could do, like I saw, who was a Roger Federer, uh, I think came up with this for tennis, that, you know, the top percentage of those on the tour, if you're ranked here, you give this amount of money and it, and it kind of goes down the line to take care of like the 150, 220th ranked players in the world, obviously a much different situation in tennis than it is in say, you know, baseball. But I wonder if you couldn't, cause let's face it. I mean, Garrett Cole could certainly afford to, you know, contribute a certain amount of money to help boost up some of these uh, smaller play, uh, the, the, the least pl uh, paid players, um, in the league, stuff like that. I, I wonder if there's creative ways to make sure that everybody kind of gets taken care of and, and nobody has to give too much. And um, But it, it is interesting. Uh, league revenues are going to be a huge shortfall because, as we've talked about, too, even if fans are in the stands, who, how many are going to want to go and put themselves at risk to watch a, a live sporting event in arena, uh, even if you do space yourself out, even if there are situations, as we've also talked about, with, you know, Seating at 25% capacity or 50% capacity and keeping people two, three, four seats away from each other uh, as well. Um, I, I think there are creative ways to get it done, um, but I, I, I thought it was fair. And look, I, I mean, any business, if you're losing revenues and you don't have the money to pay the players, um, you know, that, that becomes an interesting debate for a league that was among the first to have labor issues that cost them some part of their season but also one that has had significant labor peace for the last 30 years. It's a good point. And you wonder, and, and, and this is the thing I, I find fascinating with this pandemic that we're in, are the long-term effects it's going to have on businesses. So let's again bring it back to sports. You've got the NHL that has a salary cap. The NBA kind of does. Um, the NFL does to an extent. Major League Baseball doesn't. You wonder if this forces Major League Baseball in some capacity to work within a salary cap era to make things like that, what you're discussing, uh, a little more easier to deal with. Baseball, the t where there's such a discrepancy uh, when it comes to how much teams make and who has what are the, the TV deals. Yeah. And, you know, a team like the Yankees have a bunch of money they get from TV compared to, let's say, somebody like the Tampa Bay Rays or, you know, the, the Pittsburgh Pirates. And already you can see the discrepancy between the two teams. So I'm wondering if that's a scenario, E, where does Major League Baseball, because of the after effects of this pandemic, do they look to do something more like that rather than say, hey, guys, we're asking you to take a pay cut because... We don't know the long-term effects for the point you just gave about people not going to games. If that's going to be the long-term effect for the next 10 years, you may have to go back and reevaluate how your team operates economically or the league operates economically and does now a salary cap become more in play than it ever did. Yep, very interesting. Very interesting indeed uh, as this all plays out before us. All right, let's take another break. Uh, we got Corey Long from NHL.com set to join us on the other side of that. So uh, stick around. We'll talk to Corey when we come back right after this. 
Craig Linelli and Eric Erlinson are the perfect social distancing distraction for your lunch hour. This is Power Lunch, only on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, welcome back to Power Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. Eric Erlinson alongside Greg Linelli as we get you through the pause and the NHL action and everything else. And um, speaking of keeping you informed, check. Check out the next block podcast. This week, Seth Kushner speaks with Lightning defenseman Zach Bogosian about why he wanted to play for Tampa Bay. The most overrated stat in hockey, crying during Disney movies, whose skill set has been he has been most impressed with since he joined the Lightning, and if he would pick himself over Steven Stamkos if he was a GM in the 2008 draft, plus his Netflix recommendation. Download this podcast starting today anywhere you listen to podcasts, including on Apple Podcasts, Google, Google Play, and more, just search for Block Party with Seth Kirshner and hit subscribe. All right, we're pleased now to welcome in from NHL.com our good friend, good friend of the show, Corey Long, checking in. And Corey, as uh, we have to ask everybody here during this time, everything okay, everything good on your end of the uh, situation? Uh, yeah, everything's fine. I, I agree with uh, Zach. The most overrated stat in the NHL is crying during Disney movies. <laughs> Uh, there's no doubt about it. I, it. It rarely ever makes my analytical sheet, uh, you know. But I, I'm not sure. It might, might, maybe like you know, on a character test, you know, some team might not really appreciate that level. It depends on what Disney movie, I think. And there's a lot of them, and I could probably rank them uh, from one to 125 because <laughs> I've probably yeah, seen you, most. You've had of a them. lot of time to watch Disney Plus recently. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yes, we have. In fact, we've we've watched the first couple of uh, Love Bug movies, the Herbie movies. Um, Ooh. I've watched Willow, which I remember when that came out in the theaters. Okay. Um, yeah. I have I have bookmarked the Black Hole and Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. So, yeah, I'm going back uh, deep into the playset, if you will, for Disney Plus movies uh, that are taking place oh, right wow. now. Well, how about you? Yeah. What have you been doing uh, to keep yourself occupied? I. You know, it, it's it's weird. You know, I, I'm in graduate school, so I, I do a lot of, you know, I, I'm able to kind of enjoy my readings and writings a little bit more than I was when, you know, you're doing school and working where it's, you know, it's part of a list of tasks that I do every day, and it's like, okay, I have to have a 12-page paper or knock out 200, 200 uh, pages of reading about you know, various civil laws and the state of Florida or something like that. So, you know, I have to, you know, I read a little bit more, take some more notes on that stuff. And then when I'm not doing that, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I just try to stay informed. Uh, I'll watch some movies. It's, it has, the time has went by quicker than I thought. That these days would crawl by and they don't. Like it's been six weeks and it doesn't, it really doesn't even feel like it's been six weeks to me. Of course, I, you know, for different people, I'm sure it's different. I'm sure if you have kids, it probably feels like it's been an eternity. But for me, it doesn't, you know, feel like it's been that long. So I, I would like for sports to return. Like every day, I feel like it's a day closer that sports will return, but I don't know that. It's a. Uh, so, you know, it's tricky. I think there's only been one day during the stretch where I was really like, oh, I want to rip my hair out, you know, which I do have now since my barbershop has been closed for quite a long time. 
Corey, what do you, um, I, I'm curious, grad school, talk to me about that a little bit more. What's, is that just something you've always had a passion to go back and get a little bit more schooling on, you know, something else or yeah. take, take us through yeah, that? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll disclose it to you guys. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm in, I'm in um, graduate school for uh, public policy, uh, and the, the actual the end game was to uh, go work for FEMA. Actually, go go try to get a uh, uh, get a get a government job and retire at, and retire at some point. Frankly, you know, it's like you know, you start uh, hanging around this industry. I've been working. I mean, I've been working in. I mean, I guess more as a sports writer since I was 19. I'm 43 now, so that's you know, that's 24 years. And uh, uh, you know, I'm we're blessed to have done well and worked for some pretty good outlets over that time. But you know, when when you get to when I got to like 40, I realized, okay, if I actually want to stop working at some point in my mid 60s. Uh, and, uh, and that, and that area and really, you know, the area of working in federal management, emergency stuff has always kind of interests me like this, this whole thing really does intrigue me. You know, it does tap into a part of my, of my brain that I don't, you know, oftentimes get to use uh, as a sports writer. So it is kind of following track, you know, I, I'm, you know, I can be kind of nerdy about it, tracking the things that they're doing and, and the government ordinances and things of that nature. So, um, so, you know, it's pretty, uh, for me, this whole thing has been, you know, it's been one amazing case study and, you know, then I, you know, I spent a lot of time looking back at previous disasters, especially here in the state of Florida, like the hurricanes and different things like that. And, you know, seeing how, seeing how the uh, management, how the, you know, what the preparation standpoint was for them. Uh, one of my old coworkers, when I worked in Lakeland, uh, one of my old coworkers, Diane Allen, she worked for FEMA for a number of years. She was actually, we used to call her Disaster Die when we worked together because <laughs> she was the person that was, you know, when hurricanes came, she was kind of like a hurricane coverage person. And she left newspaper to work at FEMA. So I pick her brain quite a bit on different things. So that was actually the end happens. But that's really what I'd like to do. Wow, I I did not realize all those times I sit next to you down in the workroom and that conversation never came up. That's awesome, man. Good luck with that. I uh, hope that yeah, uh, works out. Yeah, we're usually talking about uh, Night Ranger having just one song. <laughs> and, oh, uh, I had to go there. Me, 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 me trying to throw like really bad foreign soccer on you from the from the <laughs> GOL channel, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Those conversations usually go down down that path. Um, this this must be then uh, what's going on right now. It's like real life studying, right? Like if if you're following whether it's the you know the the state of Florida or you know from the federal level, all that stuff must be fascinating to kind of have to like real life everyday new situations that come up. Yeah, it is, and I have I have a couple of friends. Uh, you know, quite often about things that they're doing and, um, you know, and, and whether it's, you know, what's, what, what's being done right, what are the things being done wrong. They're in, you know, they're in different positions where they don't have, 
you know, whether they have knowledge of a lot of things, not necessarily the power to change them all the time. And, you know, and you, and you hear a lot of different things, uh, a lot of things that, um, you know, a little bit more technical, so they don't necessarily. Um, yeah, it, it is. It's a, it's it's really, it, you know, like I said, it really taps into that part of my brain that I, I don't get to use when I'm, you know, when I'm when I'm covering games or, you know, working around sports all the time and uh, and you know and, and and hearing about different things up close and really seeing the preparation that goes into it and. Um, and you know, and and the way that they, you know, fight for different policies and fight for different ways to uh, really make society a little safer, and you know, make the emergency preparation, you know, for for society even better. It's like they're they're constantly, you know, your whole your 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 whole like world is waiting for that big one. So it's like when situations like this happen where it, it's, you know, it, it's, you know, it's not that you want these things to happen, but you work your whole life to prepare for these things to happen. Like it's, it's not just a hurricane that affects two or three states or, a, or a big set of like storms or, a, or a disaster of, or like a or disaster, something you know, on the lines of um, you know, a tragedy on the lines of nine eleven. You know, this is something that you know affects globally from from places with roughly the exact same thing. So it's more interesting to see how each, you know, not just each state, but each country deals with these emergencies based on that we're all kind of going through the exact same thing. It's a it's you know it's an amazing rarity that everybody's really affected by one thing. No doubt. I mean, I think as we're, as we're finding out, um, there's not one person that hasn't been affected by this pandemic, you know, whether it's uh, job wise, whether it's emotionally, I I mean, it's, it's you know, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, we're all in the same boat on this one in some form or another, you know, we're all being asked to, some of do the same things. Well, let me jump in here real quick. I, I had a, I wanted to ask um, Corey, bringing it back to the NHL. We were talking about, you know, the draft that's been floated around uh, regarding, you know, when it, it will be held. But this just came out probably a couple of minutes ago. Andy Slater, oh. talk show host Corey uh, in Miami on Fox Sports 650. Uh, said, just in, NHL looking at restarting the season in July. Games would be played at four or five neutral sites with limited or no fans, according to Panthers president Matt Caldwell. On the conference call, he said this plan is not finalized. Darren Drager then commented on that report, Corey, basically saying, uh, sources say no decisions have been made at this point. Right. It's all speculative, a lot going on behind the scenes. But I'm curious... When we do start to resume play, if you had to guess, what do you think makes the most sense bringing the game back in some capacity, and how do you think uh, the NHL maybe should go about their business? Uh, I, I think, you know, neutral sides to obviously cut down on travel to help make sure that players are sequestered in hotels and that they're safe as they can be. 
it's a it, it has to be a logistical nightmare, you know, to to pack up really to, to pack up your entire organization and move it to an unfamiliar place and set it up there. It's just I, I have to imagine for the uh, for your for your front office, it's just a logistical nightmare to decide. Well, you know, what do we need to take? Who's going to travel? How are we going to deal with this? How are we going to run a camp? How are we going to deal with injuries as they come up? Who's, you know, it's just I can't even think of all the questions that will pop up in the pop up in your head as as, the, as they try to make this process together. How about from your standpoint? Corey, we, we've talked uh, about what fans would. Excuse me? No, I, no, I was going to say. It's not from, from, out, so I'm sorry. Yeah, that's all right. Um, but just from your standpoint, we talked about whether or not fans would be in the stands. What about the media? As a member of the media, would you be willing to go back into these arenas, depending on what sort of parameters, whether that six foot rule is still going to be in place, as we saw before this whole thing came to. Uh, to a head uh, a little over a month ago. I mean, would you be okay uh, yeah. going back and covering games? Yeah. Uh, uh, probably wear a mask, but I would do it. Absolutely. It's, 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 it's my, it's a job. I look at it as, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's no different than the person that co- that's, that covers, you know, that, that, would, that would cover health and hospitals and, Covers, you know, whatever they cover that there's 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 an element of danger in it. You know, we get we're kind of in, you know, as as they always say, you know, we're kind of we can kind of be in the toy department from time to time because there isn't much of an element of danger to what we do. Um, at least, you know, from sitting in the stands and covering, I think you know people like a cameraman on a football field probably has a little bit more. You know, anything can happen down there, but. You know, but yeah, so I think sometimes I think we can't necessarily run away from that that potential that potentially happening uh, because, you know, it, it still needs to get done. And, you know, that's part of the job and it's not the part of the job that we're, we're used to having. But, yeah, I, I would do it. I wouldn't have any problem doing that. I would uh, I would embrace it. You know, I think it would be a unique experience. And you just be as careful as you can be. Corey Long joins us here on the Power Lunch. Last question for me, uh, Corey, on my end. Uh, we were talking about the league discussing holding the draft maybe before or during uh, the playoffs. Again, preliminary, but to me that really would put a team like the Lightning at a disadvantage because it rolls out an opportunity for them to possibly do some trades to become cap compliant. What do you make of that whole scenario in general? And what do you make of the playoffs, you know, starting right away when they come back, as opposed to playing a few regular season games before the postseason begins? Um, first, I mean, that would be weird if you think about a, a key part of a playoff run getting traded during a draft. The trade obviously wouldn't go into effect till the end of the league year, but Good grief, the mental stress on somebody knowing their final, you know, knowing that they've been dealt while they're still trying to help a team. I hope no one's in that situation. I, I do trying to get to 
trying to trying to trying to get their league year in. It's gonna you know everything's gonna be tight because I don't know how I don't know how long they can run in um, next season because you know their TV, their TV partners with NBC. NBC has the Olympics, they, so it's not like they can run it through. Probably slow. Thing. They'd probably have to end a little sooner. They'd have to end sometime in July. Uh, as for the playoffs, um, I, you know, I've, I've I've thought about different things. My feeling is that, you know, I don't know if they're going to have some qualifiers to determine, you know, those teams that are, you know, within a point or two of getting a wild card spot. I think that might be the thing: is that you take your. Uh, teams on uh, in both conferences that have already that are in the top three in their division and then you maybe have some qualifier games to determine those two wild card spots and that way not every team is involved i mean there's some teams that are in essence already you know that were playing out the string but uh you know that i think that could be kind of a fair way or you just then And, you know, you have that, that first round uh, be, you know, best of three or something. And then you jump into your to your 16, to your traditional 16 uh, team format. Uh, those 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 were kind of my two ideas. Corey, last question from me. The it, assuming the league gets restarted and we're, we're playing under those scenarios quite a bit. Brad Marchand, being Brad Marchand, or Marchand, I don't know how he wants his name pronounced this week, came out the other day and said that he felt older teams might have a disadvantage or be behind the ball a little bit trying to get themselves going after such a long layoff, whereas what he called younger teams like the Lightning and like the Leafs in particular might have an easier time. First of all, is that just Marchand being Marchand, or is there something to that? Uh, Both. It's him. It's him. Make an excuse. To <laughs> My feeling is everybody's everybody's had a hard time getting on the ice. Heck, he's in Boston. It's colder there than it is here. He might be able to find a frozen lake in somewhere and go and skate for a while. Um, <laughs> you know, he's you know, guy. Most guys have been without access to ice, at least especially in this part of the country, for six weeks. So. I don't care what you do. If you haven't done it for six weeks, it's going to take you a while to get back into some lead. And you're used to a process. This this whole thing is taking you know this whole thing is you know taking you apart. This is the time of the year when you're trying to be at your peak performance, and things have shut down completely. So I think everybody, I, I understand what he's saying, but I don't. I don't know that it necessarily makes at this point you're by this when this thing's all said and done, you're looking much of a difference, frankly. Uh, my feeling is that three month layoff, if you're going right if you're jumping right into playoff hockey atmosphere, there are gonna be a lot of injuries. I think you know, there are gonna be a lot of injuries. Teams are gonna be if you're going through a deep playoff run, you're gonna stretch deep into your system to your black aces of players because there's going to be a lot of injuries. Yeah, it's uh I just uh I just feel like no one's physically going to be going to be ready to deal with the sort of 
intent, you know, they're going to mentally, they're going to be able to deal with the intensity of playoff hockey, but physically, it's going to be a bloodbath. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Some uh, issues there with uh, with Corey's phone, but uh, good insight as always from Corey. And you know, Greg, one interesting aspect that uh, we didn't bring up that Corey kind of talked about there a little bit was the guy skating. Well, one of the things that came out yesterday is that there are some players who returned to Sweden during this pause and went back home. Victor Hedman's not one of them. He's here. Um, but Sweden doesn't have the same restrictions in place um, here, and the NHL guidelines were we prefer you to stay isolated and stay self-quarantined until, you know, now we know it's at least until April 30th. Um, players in Sweden are skating, and there are some players on this side who are here who can't get ice are a little upset that there might be a competitive advantage for some of those players in Sweden who have access to ice. Yeah, and of course that would be an issue to get them back over here. <laughs> well, that's the other <laughs> thing. I mean, if they're if they're in shape and they've been they've been skating, now we start talking about, hey, can you get over here and play in the United States or in Canada? And then the question becomes, well, guys, I can't because things are still locked down for the most part. They're not allowing travel back and forth, so that's a logistical nightmare, no doubt. And um, you know, I think that's why maybe. You're going to see guys, and it's not the same, get out the old rollerbladesy and start <laughs> doing something like that because, you know, Corey's right. You've brought the point up. I mean, we've talked about, you know, kind of that, what, synthetic turf that uh, Cooch has, right? Yeah, um, synthetic but ice. The synthetic ice. But, I mean, how how many people have access to that? And it's not like he can he can say to his, his teammates, hey, come on over because, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're not allowed to do that, at least right now. I mean, wouldn't that be funny if part of the training to get back into shape was everybody going over to Cooch's house? Because at that point, you know, you don't want to have crowds more than 50. So maybe Cooch brings uh, the players on on uh, <laughs> that ice and and they start working out and, and getting in game shape. But I think, you know, I, I wasn't for necessarily having regular season games when they come back because I, I want I kind of want to get this season not over with, but. I think the longer you delay getting into the playoffs, you know, the sooner something negative can happen again. But, you know, that that's just my opinion. But I, I understand, obviously, why they'd want to get some games. And not necessarily because they want to play regular season games, but it's because they'll be off the ice for a yeah. couple of months. And if they're talking about games resuming in July, I mean, that's still two more months from now. <laughs> yeah. That's a yeah, long six time. Weeks. Yeah, it's yeah, about six I mean, weeks. That's a long time. And uh, look, everybody's going to be in the same boat, so we know there's going to be some issues. And so this is the part where the players are just going to have to deal with it. But you can understand the reasoning why they probably would want a couple of regular season games to start. Yeah, I think that's the one thing, as we have uh, heard from players and been able to talk to players, I think the one consistent thing that they've, they've said all along is they need some time to get back out on the ice and get the, the feel under them again. And uh, certainly some players in Sweden are doing that. And uh, there's some here, certainly we know, on rollerblades uh, because the weather is nice enough for them to be able to go out and do it. Um, but the, the, they've talked about the need for a training camp and the, meet, and the need for some form of games in some capacity because in a lot of ways it is riding a bike, especially for professional hockey players who have been doing this for 20-plus years of their life since they were 
you know, five years old, four years old uh, in a lot of instances. Uh, so it, it will be backed again. But there are certain parts of the game you have to get a feel for. You have to get a feel again for being hit. You know, you, you talk to players when they come back from a, a long-term injury or something like that. They want to get that first hit in. They want to know what that feels like. There's timing to get back. And you can replicate some of that in practice, but you can't replicate game speed in inter-squad situations. You just can't do it, uh, especially for goaltenders. Uh, I know we had Scott Wedgwood on a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about the challenges he's had in trying to stay sharp and some of the tennis ball exercises he's had at home that he's done. Uh, so there's that involved. Um, so there's a lot of those uh, scenarios in which players have been pretty consistent in asking for. I, I would think that we'll see that in some form, uh, shape, or form that you would have, if nothing else, exhibition games, especially if you're going to do these four or five neutral sites uh, without specific locations being mentioned. But we know that that's probably a, a scenario that sort of is in the, the leader in the clubhouse, so to speak, at the moment. But you could play an exhibition game or two. Uh, and then the other issue, uh, speaking of Scott Wedgwood, is how does the AHL players, how do they come into this, players who are under contract? Do you bring, you know, 40 players with you because – probably a good chance the AHL doesn't finish. I don't know what's going to go on with that, and there are implications for um, that league and the players that are in it, uh, and, and especially the ones who are under contract with NHL teams. Uh, do you bring them into the fold? Do you create your own black aces, and, and could you get them into situations you know, uh, in the games as well? So there, there's a lot to consider, but I think the one thing that we can look forward to is that in some capacity, if they come back, that there will be an extended training camp, quote-unquote, and a couple of exhibition games if you're just going to jump straight into the playoffs. Yeah, you wonder if teams right now are going to the players and saying, hey, order a pair of rollerblades, please. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, the Peloton's honestly, great, yeah, but yeah. hey. Get, get, on a, get some rollerblades and, you know, for an hour and day, just go skate around the neighborhood, please. But, I mean, but just, we know that's, that's, a, that's a challenge and say, for a place like Winnipeg where they probably still it's have true. snow on the ground. <laughs> well, then go skate. Here we are talking <laughs> about 90-degree 90 90 weather and uh, there's still some places that are having to deal with snow. So That's true. Um, but yeah, no, that, well, no I mean that's the closest thing you can get to replicate it is, is the rollerblades. You have to. You're yeah. right, you have to. So all all you know, I think the key is to when the league comes out, I think they know they're gonna be uh, nitpicked to death. I think let's try and look at this objectively. Let's understand that this was almost an impossible situation for them to deal with. And then understand that there are going to be issues with what they present, but everybody's just gonna have to come together to make the best decision available and and I, I think eventually it'll be fine, but I think travel also will be, you know, logistically, how does that all play out, as Corey was saying, will be challenging. Yeah, it's there's a lot of scenarios that uh, – and look, I, I think no matter what any pro sport league does to come back, there will be criticism There's because there's no perfect way to do this because, again, nobody – Nobody planned, certainly on a grand scale, of something like this happening. Uh, that's why I don't think there's, it's a bad idea to throw out as many ideas as you can. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with coming up, as we've talked about, thinking way outside the box in some situations about how to get this thing right, how to get it back, and how to deal with it once we do come back. And um, from the players, from the media to... Uh, you know, the coaches, staff, everybody, everybody involved. There are so many different scenarios in which they, they can come back and then how to deal with it after that is all said and done. So uh, any other closing thoughts before uh, we uh, check out for the day? No, I think uh, we covered a lot of ground today. So, uh, again, we, we look up and it's, it's 1 o'clock. Um, 
For the rest of the week, though, should be a lot of fun. We're going to be talking to Rick Peckham. Yep. Get his thoughts on uh, things and how they're transpiring. Hoping to hear from a Lightning player. And um, I think we may run back Aaron Andrews because we got a lot of positive feedback from that uh, interview that we want to do on Friday. So lots of good stuff still coming your way. Yep, and hopefully you continue to stick with us and stay informed, stay entertained, hopefully. And uh, I know, Greg, you'll be entertaining the rest of the day because uh, happy birthday yes. to Gianna uh, for the rest of the day. And again, me and Steve need that picture at least of you in your Kristoff shirt. Don't that's let that slip by. It's a good point. Don't let that slip by. All right, that's going to wrap up uh, our show today. I want to thank everybody, as always, for listening and uh, checking us out. Uh, in particular, thanks to Steve Versnick for putting everything together and keeping us on the air. It's uh, always great to hear him in our ear. Uh, thanks to Corey Long for joining us, too. Good luck with grad school, Corey. That's uh, that's cool. I didn't realize what he was doing with Absolutely. that. Uh, yeah, and, of course, uh, thanks to Greg Linelli for keeping me laughing and keeping me entertained uh, during this situation as well. We'll be back tomorrow with Rick Peckham. Don't forget you get Bolts Trivia tonight uh, with Greg Wolf. That's at 6 p.m., and make sure you check out the podcast Block Party with Seth Kushner, who has Zach Bogosian this week. All right, for Greg Lanelli, I'm Eric Rollinson. We'll be back with you at noon tomorrow. Until then.